Hello and welcome to What Happened Here. I'm Hannah Allman Kennedy. I'm a writer and educator with a fascination for places, a point in time and space where nature, history, culture, and infrastructure collide. Join me each week as I look at an interesting, forgotten, or just plain weird place and ask, what happened here? Well, hello and welcome to What Happened Here, the podcast where we talk about the stories of interesting places. I'm Hannah, and I'm here on this sunny summer afternoon in Pittsburgh um, with my Starbucks pink drink. That's not an ad, but you know, if Starbucks happens to listen to this and they want to sponsor my drinks, sure, I'll I'll take it. Um, today we're going to talk about um, an interesting place that. Um, a few people, a few listeners recommended. Um, it's something I've heard about before, but it was a really cool experience to really dive into it, take a look at it, um, write, read about it, and record my podcast. So I hope you find it as fascinating as fascinating you. Um, please let me know if there's a place you think we should do next. This one, spoiler alert, is also in... Pennsylvania. Um, like I've said before, Pennsylvania is where I'm from. It's where I live. I think it's a very fascinating place with a lot of stories, clearly already. Um, and so that's kind of what we're going to focus on today. As always, please let me know if there's a place you want to look at. Um, if it's in Pennsylvania, awesome. If it's not, that's okay too. Um, but like I said before, if this ends up being a Pennsylvania history podcast, that's awesome. Um, we need more representation in the podcast field, I think. I'm not sure. So anyway, the um, sources that were used um, for this episode include the Denora Borough website, Smithsonian Magazine, Quartz, the Denora Historical Society, um, Wikipedia, as always, and the National Weather Service. And you can find the link, links to all of those in the show notes, so you can take a look at those as you wish. And so, without further ado, we'll go ahead and dive into today's story. 20 miles, or about an hour's drive, southeast of Pittsburgh, a string of small towns follows the Monongahela River, making up what is known as the Mon Valley. One of these is the small town called Denora. Today, the town, according to its website, is home to about 5,000 people. Its slogans include statements such as, Next to yours, the best town in the USA, and the home of champions, due to the large number of pro baseball and football players who called it home in the 20th century. The town sits on a horseshoe bend in the Mon River, surrounded by hills and the ever-encroaching forest on all sides. It's a quiet, lazy place, similar to many post-industrial small towns in this region. The remnants of factories and zinc processing plants can be found at the river's edge, some of which have been repurposed for other industrial uses. Otherwise, the town has a few homey restaurants and convenience stores, a few small business mainstays, and the obligatory Dollar General. The closest supermarket is downriver in the town of Manesson. However, this now sleepy town of Denora was once the site of a tragic, cataclysmic environmental disaster, which changed the face of American environmental law and industry. So, what happened here? 
First, let's begin at the beginning, with a short history of Donora. According to the Donora Historical Society, the area that is now Donora was once home to a variety of indigenous groups, from Iroquois to Delaware and Shawnee peoples. In the latter half of the 18th century, the first Europeans began to settle here. In 1814, Charles de Haas started a new town at the river's edge, calling it Pittsboro, and then Columbia, and then West Columbia. Charles clearly had trouble with commitment. West Columbia, at first, was a popular place for people to settle. Soon, however, it became a bit of a ghost town, with an ever-revolving door of people moving in and out, of land changing hands again and again. By the end of the 19th century, West Columbia was mostly dead. This all changed in the year 1900, however, when the Union Improvement Company, the venture of industrialists Andrew W. Mellon, Richard B. Mellon, Henry Clay Frick, and William H. Donner, bought 500 acres of the area near West Columbia to create a magical little thing called a company town. We've heard variations of this story in this podcast before, and if you're from western Pennsylvania or any other industrial area, this is probably a familiar story to you. In a company town, the company owns the land, the houses, the businesses, the infrastructure, everything. They provide everything the workers and their families need to live and work in the town. They own the grocery stores so you can shop for free and it comes out of your paycheck later. They own your house so you don't need to pay rent. All you have to do is live and work and keep doing that and you'll be fine. Of course, if you start thinking that maybe the company isn't treating you so well or paying you enough for the back-breaking, health-ruining work you're doing, or that the company is contributing to the actual ruin of your land and community, You keep all these worries to yourself, because if the company fires you, you have nowhere to go. But we'll get to that later. The Union Improvement Company, in building this new company town, was taking advantage of the thriving steel industry in Pittsburgh and in other parts of the Mon Valley. The company established a 300-acre steel mill, which included a zinc works and a blast furnace, on the edge of the river. At the time, this was the largest facility of its kind in the United States. At the establishment of this new mill, people flocked to the area, turning what was once a village of 12 into a town of 6,000. In thanks to the Union Improvement Company for starting this venture, and to Mellon Bank for financing the new town, West Columbia was renamed once again to Donora, taking the Don from William H. Donner's name and adding it to Nora, the new wife of Andrew Mellon. This new town had its millionaire benefactors in its very DNA. As the decades went by, the steel industry thrived in Donora, and the town itself grew beyond its company origins. At its height, it supported several immigrant communities, social clubs, music, religion. At one point, there were 22 churches and a synagogue. And as I mentioned before, several famous athletes who called Donora home as well as several famous scientists, were born and raised in Donora, benefiting from its educational system. By all accounts, Donora was thriving, and I'm sure that Charles de Haas, that original indecisive founder of Pittsburgh, Columbia, West Columbia, would have been delighted to see what his community turned into in merely a century. However, this place had a dark side, as steel towns often did. The steel mill, 
And I'm going to try really hard, by the way, to say steel mill, but just know if I accidentally say still mill, that's because that's kind of how we say it here in Western PA. Anyway, this facility ran 24-7, and pollution produced by it saturated the air with smoke and fumes, killing all plant life on the surrounding hills. Because of this, there were no plants to catch rainwater, and erosion was commonplace, so much so that when heavy rain fell on local cemeteries, the erosion made the buried caskets not so buried anymore. Some cemeteries even had to stop accepting new additions to their collections because of this problem. Writer Thomas Bell, in his 1941 novel, Out of This Furnace, described the pollution in the town of Webster, which was across the river from Denora. He said, as quoted by the Denora Historical Society, quote, It was still early in the evening, and the sky was so luminous that the smoke from the zinc works was a pale shadow against it. Freshly charged, the zinc-smelting furnaces, crawling with thousands of small flames, yellow, blue, green, filled the valley with smoke. Acrid and poisonous, worse than anything a steel mill belched forth. It penetrated everywhere, making automobile headlights necessary in Webster's streets, setting the riverboat pilots to cursing God and destroying every living thing on the hills." End quote. Although Bell describes this using very beautiful language, for sure, the reality was not quite so beautiful. In truth, it became commonplace for the air in Denora and the surrounding communities to be saturated by what we would now call smog, a mixture of industrial pollution and smoke with natural water particles in the air. This phenomenon was commonplace in all of western Pennsylvania at the time, According to Edwin Keister Jr., the writer of the 1999 Smithsonian Magazine article A Darkness in Denora, and a native of this region at the time, smog was so normal that having the streetlights on in the middle of the day, or washing the house curtains on a weekly basis, were normal activities in these steel towns. If you look at pictures of places like Denora and Pittsburgh and any other small steel town in this region at this time, the story is the same. At the time, it wasn't really concerning. The medical issues caused by air pollution were not well understood, and at any rate, no one wanted to challenge the status quo. Charles Stacy, another Denora native, um, in his interview with Quartz, also describes a similar issue with the steel industry at this time. He said, quote, You didn't step on U.S. Steel's toes because your dad had to go to work there. End quote. Keister, in his Smithsonian article, echoed this. He said, Quote, memories of the Great Depression were still vivid, and smog meant prosperity, end quote. One October day in 1948, however, this reality became much darker, literally. By now, Denora was a bustling town, home to around 14,000 people, and a steel industry which had thrived for nearly half a century. Now, in the final week of October, the community looked forward to the upcoming Halloween festivities with excitement. The air was getting colder with that delicious autumn chill that sounds really good right now that we're in 90 degree weather and 90% humidity. What people didn't know was that this very change in weather was creating a unique atmospheric cocktail. The newly cold air mixed with warm Monongahela River water and was shaken, not stirred, with steel mill smoke to create what is known as a temperature inversion. 
Okay, so I'm not a scientist or a meteorologist. I'm a writer, which is why I do stuff like this. So I'm going to try to explain a weather inversion in the best way I can. And if I'm terribly, terribly wrong, please let me know on Instagram at what, what happened here pod. Okay, so anyway, a temperature inversion. Normally, when there's not a temperature inversion, the air near the ground grows warm. And this warm air rises above the ground and into the atmosphere, which has cooler and as a result, less dense air. This is good. This keeps air in a constant refreshing cycle. Even in the case of a polluted area like Denora, the smoke-laden air eventually rose away into the atmosphere or was blown away by westerly winds or washed away by rain. And the smog, though it was still a problem and though it still contributed to some, you know, climate issues that we're now reaping the rewards of, it was a manageable problem. Eventually, the pollution dissipated. In this October of 1948, however, this cooler autumn air on the ground became trapped under a layer of warm air. It couldn't find its way out. And this captured the smoke and fumes from the steel mill, creating a thick, thick soup of smoky fog which enveloped the town and surrounding area. This fog carried industrial byproduct particles, including sulfuric acid, nitrogen dioxide, and fluorine, otherwise known as not great things for human beings to breathe. For five days, the town was cloaked in fog so thick that according to various accounts, one could stretch out their hand and not even see their own fingers, or walk down the street and lose sight of their own feet. When the Halloween parade came through the town, no one could even see the marchers. One woman, as quoted by Smithsonian Magazine, remembered the parade as, quote, just shadows moving through the gloom, end quote, which sounds truly terrifying and very Halloween-y. When the high school football team played a game against a local rival, neither team could even see the ball. So soon it became apparent that this was much more than a nuisance. This was a really big problem. People began to grow ill from the air. Elderly people, especially, began to have trouble breathing. Houseplants and pets began to die. And then, people began to die. First responders struggled through town, trying to bring medical aid and oxygen to the affected, but the low visibility made it nearly impossible to travel the familiar streets. Driving was not an option, so first responders resorted to walking through town. And even still, they couldn't see. One member of the fire department, Bill Shemp, spent an hour making his way through a section of town that normally took 10 minutes on foot. He often had to make the impossible decision to offer oxygen to struggling citizens and then to take it away prematurely, moving on to the next person who needed his help. By Saturday, October 30th, 1948, the town's medical and mortuary resources were completely overwhelmed. 26 people were dead and thousands were dangerously ill. The steel mills still ran, continuously pumping more and more fumes into the thick air. Then, on Sunday, Halloween, the rains came. The trapped air was dispersed and the air was once again clear. The community had suffered a devastating toll in just five days and was now left to pick up the pieces as if nothing had happened. Of course, the end of the smog didn't mean the end of illness, even death, among the people affected. People in Denora continued to suffer even after the worst of the crisis was over. Understandably angered by this tragedy, the people blamed U.S. Steel, the operator of the mill. U.S. Steel maintained its innocence. 
After all, fog is weather, isn't it? And we can't control the weather. The company denied any blame, saying that they had operated their mill the same as they had for over 30 years and calling the tragedy an act of God. To this day, the company, which still exists, has never officially recognized its responsibility for the toxic fog in Denora, despite multiple lawsuits and negative publicity. Speaking of publicity, this tragedy brought new light to Denora and the issues around industrial pollution at the time. The news media, including newspapers from Pittsburgh and beyond, flocked to Denora to hear the story. Federal and state authorities conducted investigations, but ultimately placed most of the blame on the terrain and weather, instead of the lack of regulation and safe practices on the part of the steel mill. This understandably angered the people of Denora, who felt they had unjustly lost their loved ones, their health, and quality of life at the hands of U.S. Steel. Even though there was little justice for Denora in the aftermath of this tragedy, the town did become a catalyst for change. Ironically, only a few years later, a very similar pollution and weather-induced tragedy happened in London, England, resulting in the death of thousands. While in that case, authorities also maintained that this incident was an act of God, it ultimately led to greater awareness and action against pollution in the UK. This incident, by the way, is a major plot point of season one of the TV series The Crown, and Donora is mentioned in that episode. In the years following the tragedy at Donora, President Harry Truman began work on solutions to industrial air pollution, and he named Donora as a direct inspiration for this. The federal government, as a result of Truman's influence, began to research and monitor the effects of pollution, and to pave the way toward change resulting in the adoption of the first Clean Air Act in 1963. As a result of what is often called Denora's killer fog, more restrictions were placed on industry. Scientists and researchers grew more focused in their awareness of pollution and in their search for practical solutions and prevention. Clean air became expected. It became the status quo. It is safe to say that without Denora, our present-day commitment to healthy air and communities safe from industrial pollution would not exist. Now, Denora is a quiet town on the banks of the Monongahela. U.S. Steel has long left the community it began behind, a common tale in the Rust Belt of western Pennsylvania. Few would guess that this place was once the scene of tragedy and a catalyst for change. Denora like many post-industrial small towns, has been all but forgotten. So that's what happened in Denora, Pennsylvania. And now that we know, we can ensure that it's not forgotten. Now that we know, we can remember. So that's the episode for today. Thank you to everyone for listening. Um, let me know what you thought about today's episode. Send me an email at whathappenedherepod at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at whathappenedher.pod. Um, I'd love to know what you think about Denora, if you've ever been there, what you know about it yourself, um, if you have any information you'd like to add, or if you'd like to recommend a next place to cover for the podcast. Um, as you can probably tell, I'm really fascinated by these stories of post-industrial areas, rural areas, um, places that have maybe been exploited or forgotten. Um, as I've mentioned before, I've grown up in places similar to this. This is kind of my homeland um, in many ways. And so 
it's important for me to learn these stories and to kind of think about um, honoring the past, remembering the past, and looking towards solutions for the future. And we can't even really begin to do that if we don't know where we came from. So I hope that you find that as fascinating as I do. I'd love to know what you think. And we'll see you back next week for another episode of What Happened Here. Have a great week, everyone. What Happened Here is written by me, Hannah Allman Kennedy. Please subscribe and leave a review if you enjoyed today's episode. You can find What Happened Here wherever you get your podcasts. For more information on our featured places, follow the pod on Instagram at whathappenedhere.pod. You can also find me online at hannahakwrites.com, where I share my recent writings and projects. I'm currently promoting my newest book, And It All Came Tumbling Down, a novel set among the oil ghost towns of Venango County, Pennsylvania. Check out my website to learn more.